Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Have you ever thought of what it might feel like if you were trying to breathe through a straw? What if you're trying to go up a flight of stairs and all you can do is breathe in and out of this very tight, long straw? Well, it doesn't sound comfortable for anyone, and just thinking about it makes me want to take some extra breaths. But today we're going to be talking with Valerie Chang, head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, because COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, often also called emphysema, is a serious problem in the United States. It's actually the third leading cause of death. And 25% of people who get diagnosed with this have never touched cigarettes. So today we're going to talk about what are the signs and symptoms of concern and really educate ourselves about what we need to do and how we can be more proactive about our own health so that we can make sure that either ourselves or our loved ones are fully aware about this particular diagnosis and what they can do about it. It does not have to completely change your life. If you get diagnosed early, this is something that can be managed and managed well as long as you know it and are really proactive about your own health, particularly yourself and also with your doctors. Val, we've had you on before. Welcome back to The Body Show. Thank you so much. This is really exciting because this is the first year the United States has a national COPD action plan and it's amazing that it's the third leading cause of death and it's taken us all these decades to get this plan. But we think it will help coordinate efforts and it'll help guide the states into what everyone can do better and uh, give everyone better health. And that's really the key is, you know, the action plan is something that is provided to all the different departments of health across the United States with the idea that if we have a standardized way that we can approach the diagnosis and early stage treatment of this condition, this will help everyone throughout the entire United States. It took us a while to get it going, though, huh? Yeah, but it is really exciting because it is the coordination of a lot of uh different agencies within the departments in the National Institutes of Health, as well as private partners, as well as professional organizations, and everyone's on board. We had a meeting in Chicago that I just came from, where the American Lung Association's president, American College of Chest Physicians, uh, National Institutes of Health, they were all at the table, and they all say they're going to work together to make this make this go forward. Well, and that's really, you know, we sometimes think, how hard could it be to come up with an action plan? You do not know. <laughs> when you've got all these different organizations who all run very large groups of people who have a vested interest in making sure that things go a certain way, whether it be chest physicians or pulmonologists, whether it be the lung association, there really needs to be a coordinated effort, and this is remarkable, truthfully, yeah. that we got this done. And the COPD Foundation was one of the spearheads of the plan. So it was a really nice public-private partnership. And we're going to talk about it more at our upcoming COPD Education Day, which is Saturday, September 16th from 9 to 2 at Queen's Conference Center. And sadly, this year you're not going to be our moderator. 
Well, you know, I had such a good time last year, I'll tell you. It really was an outstanding event. Unfortunately, I'm going to be on the mainland, but we'll talk more about the details because if anyone knows someone who has COPD or they themselves have concerns about it, this is a great way to get an education and, you know, get inspired by people who are living really well despite having this serious illness. Now, let's talk about what it is. How would you define... COPD. We know it stands for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Symptoms are kind of like breathing through a straw, but that's a really basic way to describe it. How would you describe it? It's kind of like asthma in that you have a hard time breathing, but unlike asthma, you you can take your medicine and it gets it might make you slightly better, but it's something you'll deal with for the rest of your life. So you don't it's, really grow out of it. Yeah, Sometimes, you don't outgrow it. And it's not like exercise actually can make it better. Some people get exercise-induced asthma like athletes. And if they pre-treat, then they can still win their gold medal. But with COPD, you can run the marathon. One guy did run the marathon, the Boston Marathon, pushing 80 pounds of oxygen equipment. Okay, I am really impressed <laughs> with him. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so people can do a lot. Like I just came back from being at altitude. We were 5,000 feet and 3,000 feet, Glacier National Park, and I did use oxygen the whole time. And you have COPD. And I which... do have COPD, but I was still able to have a great trip because I brought my oxygen, and now the airlines allow us to fly with oxygen as long as you do all the paperwork and use approved equipment. So what are the symptoms? How would someone know that they were having symptoms of COPD because, you know, once you get the diagnosis, we can talk about what sort of management plans we have. But somebody who doesn't know what they've got, what kind of symptoms might suggest they ought to be checked out by their doctor? Well, a chronic cough and sputum when you spit up mucus for three months for two years in a row, or you just are really short of breath all the time and it seems to be getting worse. And... um particularly if you've been around lung irritants or been a smoker, even if you stop smoking, if you've smoked for a few years or been around smoke for a while, it's good to get it checked out. And it's a free test and it's painless. It just takes anywhere from 15 minutes to half an hour or if they do a test where they give you a little medicine in between, it might take you an hour. But it's still fairly quick, and most insurers cover it. So this is a screening test where they're they're observing your breathing and they're measuring certain amounts of oxygen, or rather certain amounts of air that you get in your lungs and how much you can get out of your lungs. Correct. And you just breathe into a machine, and there's a technician that tells you, you know, okay, take a deep breath and blast it out. So no needles, no, no needles. injections, no dyes. You're not breathing in funny materials of anything. Really, you say painless. It truly is a painless screening evaluation. Yeah. And it's they do it on young children and people in their 80s and 90s. Everyone's fine. So when you have symptoms, you bring this to the attention of your primary care provider. They send you for the screening test. It's called a spirometry. So you do the breathing into the machine. And if you meet certain criteria, meaning you show some signs of concern, then the next step is what? They would do more extensive testing. They might do an x-ray, and then they might send you back to your internist, or they might 
if you seem to have uh, test results that are very uh, severe, they might send you to a lung specialist called a pulmonologist, and then the pulmonologist will help you come up with a, a plan of medications and whether or not you're interested in a pulmonary rehabilitation program where they teach you exercises and how to breathe while you exercise so you can be more efficient. And actually, conditioned muscles use ex- use oxygen better than deconditioned muscles. All right, we're going to talk about more about that plan in just a moment. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show, and today we have Valerie Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about if you get this diagnosis, what the next steps of this plan are, and how this can really be helpful to extend your life and make you feel better and breathe easier the entire time. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Inter-Island Solar Supply, Kaiser Permanente, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Valerie Chang from the Hawaii COPD Coalition. Now, Val, your history is that you were diagnosed with COPD. You found out about this. You're not a smoker. You have this condition, and you've lived very active and healthy life ever since then. For how many years now? Well, I was diagnosed in 2000 at the age of 42, so 17 years, and I still can do pretty much everything I want. Um and I travel about 40,000 miles a year. So this is not a condition that only occurs in people when they're older. No, actually one-third or more of the people with COPD are still in the workforce and they're under 65. Um, it is a good idea if you have ever been a smoker to ask for a lung test once you hit 40. And for those folks who maybe even didn't smoke, you could still get diagnosed with this. You want to get diagnosed earlier because that way you can start doing something to help yourself? Or does it matter if you are diagnosed later? Yes, it really matters to get an early diagnosis because you might have the genetic form of COPD, in which case you need special treatments in addition to the regular inhalers that other people take. And the sooner you get diagnosed, the less likely you will have done as much harm to your body as if you just keep putting it off. Oh, I'll wait till next year. I'll wait till next year. Now, are there medications that can actually stop the progression of this? Or you mentioned pulmonary rehab. So this is something where you could learn some exercises to help yourself to continue to work with your diagnosis and keep your body healthy. Well, if you have the genetic form of COPD, I believe if you get the correct infusions, which is an IV treatment, that can help keep you from getting further lung damage, and it can also keep your liver healthy. You can get liver damage from that, too. Sure you could. And I think if you have the non-genetic form, getting treatment now to allow you to continue to do your regular activities and exercise helps you because the rest of your body is healthier. And when you're healthier and you're able to do activities and keep your blood pressure down and cholesterol down and sugar down, you know, those are some of the other contributing factors to other causes of 
premature death is, you know, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Every year, number one and two vacillates between the heart attacks and strokes and the cancer diagnosis and COPD is set at number three. So if you can modify your risk factors for number three, it often helps number one, whichever one the heart disease and strokes happens to be. So there's always a reason to get diagnosed earlier. The other thing is it helps you to be able to manage this at an earlier stage rather than letting it progress and limiting your activity or potentially causing you to have other secondary complications because you haven't treated it correctly. Correct. You can end up with heart disease because of COPD as well. And COPD is chronic bronchitis, emphysema, and chronic asthma. And that's the key. It's chronic asthma. A lot of people don't think about that. Correct. Because they just think, oh, it's just emphysema. I'm not a smoker. I'm not at risk. But if you have asthma and it's chronically uncontrolled, if you have frequent episodes of bronchitis, you mentioned there's a certain duration of time. If you're coughing up mucus for more than three months out of the year? For twice, two years in a row. Two years in a row. That's the official definition. But I would get it checked out anyway. Do you find that since you've been diagnosed or since you know other people who have this, do they tend to get sick more during cold and flu season? Oh, yeah. And the problem is if you don't get diagnosed, you don't realize that there is no such thing as I'm going to ride this cold out. That's what my strategy always used to be. But once you get diagnosed, you realize if you try to ride it out, you're just doing more and more harm to your lungs. And so... You catch it early, and then your infection stays much shorter. It may also want you, uh, make you want to get a pneumonia shot and flu and shots flu every shots. year. Oh, yes. Make sure you're protected in any way possible so that you don't get infections. Now, you mentioned something interesting, lung irritants. Sometimes I think about some of the coal mining areas or even some of the pollution that we see. Uh, You know, you hear about pollution in China. You hear about pollution in India. And you can see pictures of what their cities look like on bad pollution days. Does that actually put them at risk for having problems like this? Yes, definitely. It's been shown that the developing world about up to half of women and children are developing lung problems because they have bad indoor air quality and they they have bad pollution. Um, Bad indoor and outdoor air quality, really. Actually, all the patients, all the doctors and patients I've spoken to say they can tell which way the wind is blowing. When the volcano is blowing towards Oahu, they all have a hard time breathing. Is there something they can do about it? Stay indoors? Stay indoors. Get air filters? Use their inhalers more? Yeah, just try to not do heavy marathon running or strenuous activities outdoors when the air quality is poor is basically all you can do. Because VOG is actually irritants. It's pollutants. Oh, yes. It's It's not just some extra... Sulfur dioxide and stuff in the air. It's It's not a bunch of clouds. It's actual stuff. You're breathing in this stuff. And if, you know, I see a lot of folks, those who may not have chronic asthma, but have it when they get sick, who as soon as the VOG comes, really feel this irritation in their airways. I know in Maui for a while, they were doing sugarcane burning, and there would be an increased rise of all of the asthmatics and even the non-asthmatics. They would show up in the emergency room because they couldn't breathe. So there was an irritant smoke in the air that was causing them to have difficulties. Once you get this diagnosis... You can start using medications like inhalers. You've used inhalers for many years. 
how do they work? Is it common that people think they're using it correctly and actually find out that's not the way to use it at all? Yes, study after study has shown that about more than 50% of the people are taking it wrong. So that means that they're wasting a good portion of their medicine, which is why for our education day, we are going to have respiratory therapy students teaching one-on-one how to make sure you're using your inhaler as effectively as possible. And we think that's a really good service because it's really confusing. There are so many different types of inhalers that all have different delivery mechanisms these days, and it's it's hard for anyone to keep up. Another place people can get that information is one-on-one with their pharmacist. So I highly recommend that people periodically ask their pharmacist, can you please check my technique and bring in your inhaler and show the pharmacist how you're using it? And they'll say, oh, you might benefit more if you hold your breath for 10 seconds after you inhale or no, that one you breathe in slowly. Oh no, you got to breathe that one in fast. So, you know, it's, there's a lot to remember. Well, and that's a great piece of advice because you go to see your regular primary care provider. They may or may not have excellent education on how the, to use these different inhalers. And boy, 20 years ago, it used to be a regular meter dose inhaler, just a quote puffer, and that was it. And now they have all these different formulations. Click this, put something in here, twist this device. And, and there's no time. <laughs> Well, there's no time, but also, I don't know if I would be the best person to give advice on that. You know, I'd be like, oh, is that a twisty one or is that a clicky one? And, you know, we want to make sure that people know how to use their inhalers correctly. That's how you're delivering the medicine that you need to help you to breathe. But you also need to be able to do it in an emergency situation. Correct. And our, the copdfoundation.org website has videos of all the different inhalers and how to use each of them. So people can go to that website as well, which is very handy and very useful. And they keep up on all the different delivery mechanisms because it is pretty bewildering. And sometimes you get switched from something to another thing and you just want to double check you're doing it correctly. And what was that website again? copdfoundation.org. And it's going to be on our materials at our COPD Education Day so people can refer to it. All right. We're going to talk more about getting educated at Queen's Conference Center upcoming on September 16th, right after this quick break. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Valerie Chang, head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition and a COPD patient, but also an advocate. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about what could you learn if you wanted to know more and how can you find out more about it? Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, Nohea Gallery, and Straub Medical Center. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Valerie Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and she is in charge of an upcoming exciting event. And I say that having been to it last year and been blown away with some of the wonderful educational materials, group collective knowledge, and just inspirational stories that you hear when you go to this event. Now, without further ado, 
Valerie, there's a whole list of things that will happen. This occurs from 9 to 2, and it's free. This is something that is done really just truly to provide education for people and their family members and loved ones who have COPD. How many years have you put this on? We started doing it in 2007, um, so it's 11 years. This is our 11th anniversary, and we're really excited. Um, We have a new MC because, sadly... You next and, year, you next and year. Kathleen, I mean, uh, Beth Ann are going to be off island. But uh, Jackie Young is fantastic. Jackie Young, she's amazing. Yeah, she's Absolutely. American Cancer. And actually, there is overlap because many COPD patients have had more experience than they want with cancer. Um, we're also having Dr. Eric Crowley, one of your colleagues, a lung doctor that is actually my doctor. He's a Excellent great, great man. He explains things so clearly. Um, and then we'll have. Josh Cordova, he's going to explain to people how to exercise and use their breath to help their exercise. So that capacity, sure, you know, because part of what people often fear is that they're not going to be able to do activity and do exercise. And what they're going to learn is actually how to use their breathing when they exercise to extend their capacity so they can keep going, extend their endurance. Correct. Who knows? Maybe one of them will become Boston Marathon runners. You know, that is definitely a possibility, even if it's just the local Hawaii Marathon. Why not? And then we have Daniel Sabin, he is the pharmacist at Long's Ainahaina, and he's very excited. He wanted to participate last year, and he finally is able to break away and come. And he has a lot of exciting information to share about the different medicines for COPD. And teaching people. Again, teaching folks. If you don't know if you're using your inhaler correctly, real quick, watch the videos or go demo for the pharmacist. What a great way to find out if you're doing it right. Yes, and we'll have the Kapiolani Community College respiratory therapy students, and they're going to teach patients one-on-one how to use their their devices because there are so many. There are nebulizers, there are spacers, there are mucus clearance devices. There's a lot of tools, and we have to use our tools correctly and clean them because people, if you don't clean them, you're breathing in germs, and you don't really need more germs growing. So, like, don't be sharing inhalers, people. Yeah, yeah. Not unless you've cleaned it or it's an emergency. Yeah. All right. Um, Then we're also having a dietitian or a mystery speaker. We're still working that final speaker out, and we're going to have a film clip of Leonard Nimoy. He died of emphysema, but before he did, he went public with his emphysema, and he got his daughter, Julie, and her husband, David Knight, to make a wonderful movie about COPD. And so we're going to have a clip of that, and then we're going to talk about the National Action Plan. Now, let's talk about this action plan because, you know, again, I'm so excited that we finally have one. And you mentioned that that's actually going to help all the states because they will all have access to it to really coordinate care for people who have COPD. It says down here, 16 million people have been diagnosed with COPD and millions of other people don't realize that they have it. And so there's a whole bunch of things that they're focusing on, but they describe having some major 
action plans. And they talk a little bit about what are the goals of having the action plan. And let's review a little bit. Why would we do that? Why would we want to have this action plan? Is it just a way to tell everybody, here's what you're supposed to do? Or is there some way that this can be used to really help folks and their loved ones who have this problem? Well, it is actually to give every different part of the community a place that they can help. It it does talk about how patients and caregivers have a role and how the medical community has a role and even the data analysts so that we can see if we're making progress and we're getting better and we're treating better treating people better and getting better outcomes. Well, and that's that's a lot of learning can take place when you try a particular treatment and then you're able to look at the information and really do the research studies to say, hey, did treatment A work really well? What about those people who did treatment B? What about those who did a combination of both? How can we utilize all of our research and resources to help folks understand that maybe we're going to revise the treatment guidelines because we're actually literally seeing the data that says people are doing better with something different. Correct. And sometimes people assume it's one issue and it's actually something else. Like if people get a lot of medicines prescribed, but they can't afford it, then what are they really doing? And how is that affecting their care? And does it mean that they're going in and out of the hospital all the time? Or is there something better? And should other alternatives be discussed? Well, and inhalers these days have gone up in price significantly. Even some of the generic inhalers now are almost cost prohibitive for some of the seniors who are on fixed incomes and who don't have the additional coverage that would be great if they could get their inhalers at a lower cost. Yes. And the good thing is that SHIP, which is with the Department of Health Office on Aging, will be there. So they can talk to people that are on Medicare if they're having problems and they can talk about assistance programs that are also available. And if people can't attend, they can also call the Office on Aging at the Department of Health and ask to speak to the SHIP program and they'll help people. They'll even go one-on-one and help make sure that they get all the benefits that they're entitled to so they can afford the medicines. And that's really important because if you get prescribed a minor medication for your condition, and then you come in to see your provider and you say it's not working, but it's actually because you're not taking it. They're going to give you a moderate dose of something different. And if, again, you're not taking it or using it consistently and say you still have symptoms, you may wind up on very significant strong inhalers because someone like myself will think, well, their basic inhalers aren't working. They keep having symptoms. When, in fact, asking the question, Are you actually able to afford your basic inhalers? Are you using it? Sometimes people are a little reluctant to admit that they may not have the financial resources to buy their inhaler. Right. And there are some assistance programs that are offered by the companies and some that are offered by SHIP. So it is really good to talk to the Office on Aging um, of the Department of Health because they are non-biased. They have no no dog in the fight. They're not selling anything. They're just trying to make sure people are aware of the programs. Some are based on income and assets, but there are others out there too. So it's really good to just have that conversation. 
Well, and bring it up to your provider as well. Right. You know, be honest. I can't afford this. Right. Or I, what I hear often is, I gave my inhaler to my daughter. She couldn't afford hers, so I don't have one anymore. And now I have to get more. So there's there's a variety of different things that happen to people who are supposed to be taking their medicine. Sometimes they just can't afford to do it the right way. Right. And if they don't tell you, like you say... How am I going to know? Then people are expecting their doctors to be mind readers. And I think that's a little challenging for everyone. You don't want me to read your mind. (laughs) Trust me. My mind is a dangerous place. You don't want me to read your mind. Now, I'm really excited about the fact that you are going to have another event which is going to promote free education for the public. If people want more information, they can go to the website, hawaiicopd.org, and that gets them to the information about the conference. They can also email you. Yes. Valerie at hawaiicopd.org. Some ways that they can help get some information for themselves. This is going to be a free event, Saturday, September 16th at the gorgeous facility, Queen's Conference Center. Beautiful place. And the brochures are also going to be at all Oahu Public Libraries by the middle of the month. We haven't printed them yet, but they will be printed this week. Are you going to put your mystery guest on there? Is it going to stay a mystery? We might want to keep some mystery. You know, it's good to have a mystery every once in a while. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show, and we'll definitely have to do it again. Valerie Chang is head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition and is spearheading the 11th Education Day coming up later in September of this year. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on our podcast, hawaiipolicradio.org. You can also find us on the HPR app on your iPhone or Android device. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. We'll talk more about some health issues and keep healthy. See you then.